listening to the bingo hall boys a weekly podcast we're basically two buddies you would meet at an indie show you'd sit next to us we become fast friends hit the concessions grab grab a beverage of choice maybe a slice of pizza or za if you will depends on what, what coast we're on maybe a hot dog the vibes are immaculate we're just here to enjoy some wrestling we're your new best friends jake and my co-host mitch i'm, I'm doing fine it's been a been an up and down week but we're doing good i i don't know if i can move past saw as quickly as i need to for the sake of the show but i'm gonna do my best i that's just not a thing in canada we don't use that word (laughs) but no i'm i'm doing good you feeling any better yeah lots actually now the wife's sick she actually does have covid so maybe i had it before who the hell knows but i'm better now i feel good as new that's how it goes, man. So technically, um, I've forgotten how many times I've tested yeah. for the thing. We still haven't had it, yeah. but I had something that was like really gnarly that took me out for all of October. Yeah. And I still kind of feel like I get like shortness of breath, like very easily. And I'm like, dang, this, uh, this sucks. I'm slowly getting better, but so yeah, I technically haven't had the thing, but it's, uh, it's rough out here, dude. It's probably just going to be like this for the rest of our lives. And for the next couple of years, we'll build our all of our community <laughs> again, I think. I lost all my old school teacher immunity. <laughs> right? God, I yeah. couldn't anything. I was immune to the world at that point. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we're having a kid soon, so I'm, I'm guessing once they get put into the public school system, oh, that's oh, whenever yeah. uh, that's when the fun begins. Yep. Uh, speaking of the fun beginning... Let's get into this week's dynamite. Um, ratings were fine. Yep, they uh, were. it's like what point point three four point three two. Like it, it's 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 decent. That's yep. about where dynamite lives now. Yeah, that's its that's its status quo. Uh, now that we're firmly in the post Phil Brooks era, um, this show. So I was like nose to the grindstone all day today. So I had to do some like quick searching before we started. Yep. People hated this episode. I'm very surprised by this. There's a couple things that I didn't like. One thing, I'm sure you can guess, that I will absolutely bury. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what it is. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a, a really good show. Uh, let's get into it. So we started the show off with the Acclaimed and FTR teaming up to face Swerve, Keith Lee, and the Ass Boys. Fun way to start the show. Multi-person tag sets up. I mean, we're we're getting, you know, these four teams, two v two and two v two, at the pay per view. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, do you have any big picture thoughts on this? Because it was it was fine. It was a match. It was fun. Uh, nothing. I'm ever going to go back to. You know, no, it's watch for that. But I really enjoyed it. Not something I'm gonna rewatch, but I do. I mean, you don't want your whole show to be this, but I like getting some of these multi-man matches in when you have a roster this big. So you got to get people their airtime and keep them fresh. That's one. This is where 
we're going to come across the word fickle later in this episode because it shows yeah, up. Yeah. But this is where the fickleness shows up and, oh, there's too many guys need to focus on just a few. Where's that guy been? He hasn't been on TV for weeks. This is kind of how you solve that problem. You got to do a little bit of that New Japan multi-man style to get more people on without, you know, oversaturating things in some ways. So I, I'm all for these types of matches as long as they don't take over the show. And, uh, well, a- and, and this actually makes more sense than, you know, New Japan multi-person tags where it's literally just like thrown together. Oh, yeah. They, it's just all the people, go. all the people who are like, AEW doesn't tell stories. It's like you should look at a New Japan undercard, bud, because it's <laughs> uh, it's pretty dire out there most oh. of the time. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of WWE, this would be a Raw four star match. Yeah, and it's it's pretty yeah. dope that we have such an awesome wrestling show where it's like this totally fine match is like oh, yeah, it was, it was good, it was serviceable. But if this happened in another company, people would be losing oh. their minds. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's move on. We've got MJF promo next, right? Yep. MJF promo. I like this a lot. It was kind of weird to be plugging a podcast while we do it. I get that. He's not there. He's going to, here's where I'm at. I'm of two minds and we're probably going to talk more about this heading into the pay-per-view because we should have either a better idea or we'll be more bought into the story. But MJF is filming a 24 movie about the Von Erics. He's Efron. cast in it. Zach Efron. Yep. He's our, our first movie star in the company. So he's going to be taking time off. That said, we don't know how much time, yeah. but this dude is a star. And part of me feels like you need to capitalize on him. Now put the title on him. He's going to be a big deal, yep. but if he's going to be missing significant time, is that kind of a tip of the hand? that he goes away after the pay-per-view and then maybe shows up at winter is coming again. I mean, the thing is they only need him one night a week. They don't need him much. And if he's carrying the title, do it. Like we know he doesn't wrestle a lot. You have him carrying mm-hmm. some promos, dodging. Some I mean, like at all, he, he doesn't, doesn't wrestle. At hurt, all. Right. Like he, that's his thing. He doesn't wrestle much. So you don't have to worry about getting him getting hurt and interfering with filming the movie. You know, he does. He needs to be there maybe, what, three out of four weeks? So you need him three days out of the month? Or pre-tape. And that's what I mean. You can have him show up a few times, pre-tape segment. Like, you don't need much out of him. And it's not like he's going to be filming this movie for six months. So I think you can do it. And I think you need to do it. I mean, it's it's a big moment to capitalize on to get that belt out there. So we're going to be playing a game later. But here's mini game time. <laughs> Mitch Tell me how many matches MJF has had this year 2022 let me think Um, Do I count the casino ladder match Sure Okay Bonus points if you can list them out loud It's more fun for our audience if you do it that way Otherwise it's a bunch of dead air that I'm probably going to be too lazy to edit out. Got casino ladder match, dog collar match with Punk. We've got two matches with the captain, Sean Dean. Mm -hmm. We've got... Come on, Rain Rain Man this shit. Let's go. I'm forgetting... I'm only forgetting one or two at most. Um, Okay, dog collar match was... Revolution? Yeah, dog collar match was Revolution. 
Uh, Wardlow for double or nothing for the go away match, where he lost the where he got squashed by Wardlow before Wardlow won the TNT title. So mm-hmm. that puts me at five matches, I believe. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I feel like I'm forgetting just one match and maybe just one match, but that's all I got. So you're going with six? Yeah. You're wrong. It's seven. <laughs> one match. <laughs> what? What I miss? Sean Dean defeated MJF by DQ. Yeah, I had two Sean Deans in there. MJF defeated CM Punk in Chicago. Oh, right. I forgot about the second Punk match. A month later, CM Punk defeated MJF in the dog collar match. Potentially my match of the year. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm probably going to have to rewatch that. Sean Dean defeats MJF by countout. Wardlow defeats MJF. Casino ladder match. And. MJF defeated Wheeler Yuta. God, he had the one match because he came back and he's super jacked right now. Yep. Uh, so the so uh, the point being, he just does not wrestle no, at all. No. He will last 50 years at this rate in this business. Like, <laughs> right? His body is going to be pristine. <laughs> yeah, as long as he doesn't take a gnarly concussion. Um so yeah, I'm I'm like I said, I'm of two minds because I don't know. His stock seems to be rising, but I guess we'll we'll get to the other half of that match later on. Um, after this, there was an ominous Stokely Hathaway video. The John Gresham faction just does nothing for me. Uh, I don't know. I just don't take the firm as a, a credible threat to do jack shit. So uh, Tony Khan's got his work cut out for him because it just feels like another faction. Um, thoughts on the promo? I I dug the, the camera work with it. I thought MGF sounded like an actual like through the ceiling star that breaks through the the multiverse or the Cody verse into Hollywood, depending how you want to look at it. He mm-hmm. he sounded the part. He started listing names like Rock, Flair, Jericho, Stone Cold, and you felt like he can belong in that conversation. He sold it well. Yes, like, is the limit. Highest paid man in wrestling. Do it. So, so to add to that. Yeah, so after the MJF promo and the Stokely video, we got Ethan Page versus Eddie Kingston. The, I feel like I've seen this match in person like seven times because we have in AAW. I know for a fact I've seen a match where they were both in it. Yeah. I mean I they showed a bunch of clips of them in a mat in matches before, like as a promo package. I can't fucking remember. Yes. Uh, the match was Ethan Page defending the title against Eddie Kingston and Trevor Lee. After the match, Sammy Callahan came out and re-debuted after being cut from NXT. Dark times. Um, what was this his match over there? I can't even remember. Do what? Solomon Crow was that his dork name? Yeah, that was the where he had his little tablet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. That is an insane pull. Um, This match was fine. It seems pretty obvious to me, at least, that they're really getting behind Ethan Page. We've kind of talked a little bit about that. And getting behind it behind the scenes too. He's already producing matches and everything. Like he's he's doing stuff people don't even know about in this company. Yep. So I think he's going to get a big push. Um, I I brought it up. 
and everyone in our circle hated it. Absolutely hated it. But I got to ask you, Mitch, same question. How likely is it that by the end of the year, we have Ethan Page as AEW champion? I don't know if he's going to be AEW champion. I could see TNT champion by the end of the year. So um, you'd have him as the one to be winner? I, I mean, I think I could see him winning the big one too, but knowing how slow TK books on these big title pictures and big changes, it almost feels like Ethan just hasn't been in the company long enough to get him off that ramp yet. But Yeah, but remember, like, the story was supposed to be Punk MJF. So all of this yeah, very last minute. So we don't yeah. know what the plan is now. Well, and Punk was even a last-minute insertion when they finally landed him, so it's supposed to be Hangman MJF. Like, right. our, our timeline is is off, but, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't... I mean, uh, he seems like the clear winner of the tournament, right? Oh, easily. Uh, am, I, am I on an island here? No, I think people are going to be surprised by it, but Ethan Page is definitely winning the tournament. I don't know so how... That means, so um, that means that he challenges MJF or yep. Mox at Winter is Coming... I wouldn't be shocked. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm so people. I think people need to take some deep breaths, get on for the ride and give it a shot. Cause it feels weird, mm-hmm. but Tony Khan's booker of the year for a reason. Um, thoughts on the match itself. I thought it was aggressively fine. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was neutral to it. I mean, it was again, one of those ones where the outcome was almost too obvious where I knew there I feel for a lot of people, it probably wasn't, but for you or I, it seemed really yeah. obvious that Ethan was winning, so I didn't really buy into much of the match in that sense, but it was fine. Next up, we've got Wardlow, who kills Daivari, called out Hobbs, Joe attacked Wardlow, and the camera missed it. Uh, the camera missed it. It caught it at the end. Yeah, no, they caught the beginning of it. Whatever. And then like, yeah, dude, it was, it was brutal because that means, that means that whoever's running production, likely Tony Khan, I don't know who else would be back there with him, cut the camera angle. And I'm like, dude, there were like three or four big production gaps this episode that haven't happened in a while, but they that one's like an unforgivable one. They lost one of their like camera people recently too, like passed away. And he was like kind of one of the big guys. Yeah. So they might be scrambling a little bit right now to. But yeah, they've missed it. They've kind of been building to this for a couple weeks now with Joe about to turn on Wardlow. He's given his little subtle things whenever Wardlow talks about titles and stuff and Joe kind of like, eh, not everybody here. Hey, don't sleep on me. Okay, fine. I've had enough. I want it. So it was, I it think was we fun. need to we need to work on our wrestling phrasing <laughs> because I've never liked the term this guy turned on this other guy. And it's like, uh, there's got to be a better way to say that he backstabbed him. He ended their alliance. I don't know. It just sounds weird. Like, especially whenever we like type it out, just be like, oh, I can't wait until Samoa Joe turns on Wardlow. Became corrupted with desire. (laughs) I don't know. I think my wife's right. I think wrestling is incredibly homosexual and we just need to lean into it. Um, We're just George. We've known this for a long time. Wrestling is super gay. (laughs) 
Oh man. Um I thought the match was fine. Big squash. I mean, Angle itself. I've yeah. been waiting for it. I'm guessing this sets up a triangle match. Yep. Him but we get yep. yeah. Which is whatever. I assumed that we were gonna do four and it was gonna be Joe, Wardlow, Hobbs, and Starks. We've still got a week. It won't be Starks, but we've got a week to if Well Starks want. is gonna get well, we'll get to him in a second. Yep. Uh, he made his unfortunate return this week. Um, next up, I'm going to let you talk about this one uh, before I do. <laughs> Soraya will face Britt Baker at full gear. Give us your thoughts. Okay, so there's there's a couple things here. I feel like this has been super obvious for a long time. And this is where things get a little bit confusing in that you have to kind of look at these interviews and go, is there still elements of kayfabe? Because according to the timeline Soraya has given, she only became officially cleared on Halloween. This yep. was on Renee's podcast. These like this is Soraya's own explanation of it. She got fully cleared on Halloween. Originally, when she came out, she wasn't sure what was going to happen. Got a big reception. Talked to Tony, and he was like, "Maybe we do some tag matches like we did with Sting." And she goes, "Well, I want to do a singles match." And Kayla, you got to get fully cleared. Then, like, we can't. Pre- there's no way to hide in that match. And allegedly, she went to some big doctor in California that works with a bunch of like NFL and uh, NBA guys and some like Hollywood people and that got fully cleared there. Apparently the neck fusion looks great. Like, and figured there was even a little bit lower risk now because there's some, some extra padding there after the surgery, but allegedly everything looks fantastic. Cleared for one match a month to start and building up from there. Again, who knows? Because it feels like the Surrey Britt Baker angle has been obvious since like day zero in the company when she showed up. So I don't know how much I buy into that timeline. The the story behind the timeline makes sense, but the actual timeline itself doesn't fit for when we started this build. Promos were kind of the same two promos we've got. Britt doing her usual I'm the face of AEW promo. Soraya kind of doing her I'm a bigger deal than AEW promo like Punk did. Crowd wasn't super into that part of it, understandably so. I I don't have anything against like, the way Soraya delivered her lines or anything like that. It's the message behind the promo that I don't like with I'm bigger than the company. I'm a bigger deal than the company, which makes me feel like Soraya would have to lose the match. And we know that's not happening. So the, the topics of the promos bugged me, but the actual like delivery and the way they spoke and everything that was fine. Like they were both decent enough at delivering the message. I just didn't like the story that's, that's being told with it. Um. So yeah, first, I want to touch on what you were saying about her timeline as far as getting cleared. If Tony Khan gave her a contract without her being cleared, that's one of the stupidest fucking things he could have ever done. I don't buy that for a second because what, what would she do? Would she be a general manager type? AEW doesn't do that. Would she be a manager? She can't fucking talk. Like I don't understand what she would be. The timeline adds up. If we push this all, like adjust everything by three or four months. Right. Before she showed up, she talked to Tony and got these ideas. Like two, two months before she showed up, she actually, like a month before she showed up, she got cleared, right? That makes sense. So here's the rest of it. I went into it a little bit last week and basically every week since Soraya showed up. I've been over it. Like this does nothing for me because the problem with the women's division is that they're not allowed to cook. There's like maybe a rotation of like six to eight 
that if you just solely focused on them, you could build a really solid division and it would be really, really fun, but they don't. That's just, that's not how this company books. Women are an afterthought. And unfortunately the viewers feel the same way. And it's not, it's not a microcosm of one causing the other. It's just the fact that women's segments, unless it's like a huge, huge deal, lose viewers in the key demo. They just do. It's incredibly hard to build around. They need to pivot, like we've said in the past, and just do an all-women's show, which is what I think Rampage should be, or one of the dark shows, put it on YouTube, because women's matches do excellent on YouTube. You just ha- you have to play to their strengths instead of trying to shoehorn them in. All of this said, AEW has gotten the criticism that all they do is sign ex-WWE people. And it's like, well, yeah, but like you and I have said the entire time, they have to fucking come from somewhere. Before AEW, Uncle Paul fucking signed every single independent wrestler with a microcosm of a name for what, seven years? So yes, everyone's gone through those doors. So yeah, I'm sorry, but no, I Adam Cole is not a WWE wrestler. CM Punk is not a WWE wrestler. I, I wouldn't even say Keith Lee. Well, like, we can go down the list. Like uh, most of these are wrestlers turned yeah. sports entertainers. Now they're wrestlers again. Entertainers. Entertainers. Emphasis on the D. I'm fucking sick of Soraya. And I'm really, really trying not to just get animated right now because you're failing. I, <laughs> no, I, I feel like I'm doing really good. I could be blowing people's ears out right now. I really think that Britt Baker had one of her best promos uh, like in AEW, like of her entire career on Dynamite last night. It was solid. Said everything that she needed to say. And Soraya only has one arrow in the quiver. I was a star in WWE. Bam. Like that was supposed to do anything. The crowd fucking booed her. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Is she, because she's winning the match. Does she not understand that AEW is for the people that aggressively do not like WWE and the way that they do things and the people that they sign off on? She just fundamentally doesn't understand the appeal of this company. She's treating it like the minor leagues. She's treating it like she's an impact. She's treating it like she's an afterthought. And she's treating it like she's going to come in and walk through the entire division and hold the and hold the title just like Punk did. And it pisses me off because she probably will. Now, if this is in service to have her beat Brit, Brit gets pissy, starts a feud with Hater, fine. If that means that she gets some wins and loses to Jade or loses to a champion, that's fine. As soon as she holds a tight, so fucking help me if she's the one that beats Jade. <laughs> I, I almost think they're just waiting for Statlander again now. Like they're just going to run it for a year until Chris is back. It's the way they're stretching out the Nyla feud and knowing that Chris has shown up at a couple tapings just to do cameos make me think the recovery is actually going pretty well and they're just going to ride it out until then i I think that's the play 
at this point. I mean, what best case scenario? We're looking February. Like I, I kind of worked out yeah, the timeline. It's, it's like that. that February and it's it's doable. It's the first yeah. time that this knee has been injured. Yeah, she did it some make sense. rehab before the surgery too, so I think she's in a good recovery timeline. But every fucking thing about Soraya is bad, and I think that this is going to be the worst signing that Tony Khan's had. Yes, I'm including CM Punk in that because at least CM Punk could fucking draw. At least he could like quote unquote wrestle. A lot of his matches were gimmick heavy. And he had to be carried through matches like the hangman match. I still can't do a buckshot. I mean, make no mistake, MJF was the star of the dog collar match. He carried Punk in that match too. And this isn't revisionist history because Punk's out the door and he's the bad guy now. Soraya's the same fucking problem where she, like you said, she treats herself like she's not only bigger than her opponent, which is fine. That's that's posturing, cocky. You're a wrestler. I get it. But she's bigger than the division and she's making herself bigger than the company. And that's bullshit. And she needs to get that ego out of here. And I would be giving the same rant if it was Sasha Banks that Moon walked in and was doing the same promo. That would piss me off too. So what's interesting, there was a time where Britt Baker was getting the same criticism for her promos about making it feel like she was the only thing that mattered in the division and that she was bigger than the company. There was a time where that was the narrative on Brits. Yeah, but she wasn't name dropping WWE while doing it. No, no. I just mean it's an interesting parallel that Brit has now come full circle to where she's no longer got that reputation. And it's sure. No, I, I yeah. that's the story that's being. I don't again, I don't like the story. I'm, I'm actually still optimistic for the match. Um, it's been so long that it's hard to still have that quote-unquote WWE-style stink on you because you're both so far removed from it at this point that I'm, I'm cautiously off. Brits improved a ton in the ring. The other big milestone, and this is a big thing, it's the first time we've had three women's matches on a pay-per-view. Yes, Nyla Jade will probably be bumped to the pre-show, but still, that's the first time that's happened. That's, that's a big deal. I think it's a huge deal for the division, but we're also looking at potentially the greatest women's match ever and the fucking worst women's match ever on the same card. No, no, we're not going to get the worst one ever. Um, You're telling me that Nyla versus Jade is going to be a fucking two-star match? I'm going to tell you it's going to be better than Jade Athena was. No, I no. That match was no, no, no. It wasn't great. It was, it was like, it was whatever. They didn't have good chemistry. Dude, I man, oh man, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Shines when she can hit hard strikes. Nyla can handle it, so at least we've got that going. If they adjust the match properly, it can be okay. If well, sure, that's if for everything. We can say that about a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so circling back on my point, but what I'm saying is, there's a women's match that everyone's looking forward to. And there's one that everyone's dreading. And in the middle is Britt Baker Soraya. You know what? They've still got two promos to pivot on. If if somebody But Paige only cuts the same promo. So we'll just hear that two more times. That's what I mean. That that means it's somebody's job to help steer that ship a little differently. I'm so over it, dude. We've had that talk about the dangers of open mic night and how many issues that's causing, right? Like we've had yes. this discussion about punk before or specifically punk. just in the women's division. I mean, the, the textbook one I go back to is the Thunder Rosa Serena deep feud 
where well, neither one of them could talk and it was we just had to suffer through it. That at least Britt can talk. She can wrestle too. Yeah. I have no faith that Soraya can ever talk or can ever wrestle. I just I I don't know, man. I just bad vibes about all of this. All of this. I'm gonna find out one way or another. I'm still going in cautiously optimistic that it's gonna turn out. Hoping we pivot the story because I don't like the direction the story goes. Just like I don't like the direction the story went when Punk started pulling that shit, and I won't like the story direction that story goes when the next person tries to pull that shit. I don't know who it would be. I'm kind of running out of names that will come in. Yeah, but at least Punk, that. like I said, at least Punk drew a crowd. At least they were telling a linear story with him. We just never got to the end. Um, hopefully we get to the end with Soraya sooner rather than later. Um. Next up, backstage segment. Uh, best friends just walk up on <laughs> I love Jay that. Lethal, Satinum. Yeah. Let's start I, uh, with the factory thing. Because they paid QT for Cole Carter's services. That's how this started. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. established that Cole Carter is not with the Jeff Jarrett crew. He's still which, which, is, which was good because that really was confusing that. as hell. Which and it was hilarious that Cole only got one bill out of the whole bucket. <laughs> but how cool! I Cole Carter Lee Johnson as a tag team has some oh, yeah. legit potential to it. I mean, we'll go back to Lee Johnson because that's going to be that can be a banger. He's facing Orange Cassidy on that's Friday, I mean. like, and I am so excited. Um, next up, we had Trent uh, challenge. Yeah. I wish they didn't lethal to a match. match. I know. It and it felt just felt like an impromptu thing. Like, hey, you want to fight right now? Okay. A <laughs> awesome. <Hey>, scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that this is a learning experience for Tony Khan and he can Me just too. be like, ah, I shouldn't have announced that. I'd, in the same way that I was glad whenever they did um, a finish during picture in picture once. Yeah. Just to kind of prove to people like you need to pay attention. Yeah. I think they need to do that every once in a while. And I think they also need to do like impromptu matches. Yeah. Um, I think that was something that would be to freshen everything up. That said, the match itself was totally fine. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Um, I don't think they've done a very good job of making Jay Lethal a credible threat in the promotion. Um, that said, they want to. They really want to. No, they're booking him like he's a big deal, but no one sees Ring of Honor as a big deal, and Tony Khan just can't grasp that. Um, to be fair, Jay Lethal is one of my least favorite ROH champions of all time. I thought he was incredibly dull. And I, I like him as a wrestler, but oof, you hold that title for like 5,000 days or whatever. Um, but anyway, match itself was fine. Uh, every single Trent match that I can get feels like a miracle at this point. So I'm I'm not going to complain about that at all. Um, let's see. Ba, ba, ba. Lethal cheats. At the end. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett re-debuted. That was the big surprise. <laughs> Again. No, that and... wasn't the big surprise. The big surprise was that Soraya can wrestle. Surprise! Actually, the big surprise might have been the announcement of the UK tour in 2023. That but they didn't fully announce it. No, but because the, the whole tweet that, not Alvarez's thing, but Khan put out a tweet before the show where no. he took the UK numbers and was like, it's going to be a newsworthy show. So that's what he actually meant. 
I know they didn't really say anything about it outside of it's happening. But. Which got a pop for me because I was watching from the UK last night. I was like, <laughs> let's go, baby. I don't think Wait, last yesterday morning. Let's do it, but <laughs> this morning, I don't know how it works. Whatever. Um, next up, let's see. Yeah, we got time. We can cover this real quick before we switch. Um, John Moxley cut a promo. Excellent promo. To the point where I was like, oh, damn. He's going to beat MJF, isn't he? <laughs> Sounds like they're doing their job right if you got that feeling about both of them. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm like, this feud is excellent. Um, yeah. The promo wars between these two will always be great. And I think that um, considering they have a previous history, Mox was the best case since Plunk can't go anymore. Yep. To face MJF, and I think that they're going to have an ongoing rivalry as long as the company's uh, afloat and they're both there. So I like this a lot. Um, I was watching Regal extra closely because I think he's going to play into the finish of the match. 100%. As of now, I think Mox turns heel. And Regal stays with the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, I mean, Danielson's going that way too, so. Which Blackpool Combat Club as a heel faction would be so much more rad. And then there's just Wheeler, Yuta, and Claudio. <laughs> so like half of them are like real assholes. And then the other two are <laughs> like, hey, let's go fight. Which, by the way, Yuta and Claudio need to be in the tag division like now. That would be so much fun. Anyway, uh, thoughts on the promo, thoughts on Mox, Regal, heading into full gear. Where are you at? I can think of very few matches where it's been that level of I really don't understand who's going to win. It's rare when you get that kind of lightning in a bottle, so I'm super excited for the match. I like that we had both the promos without the other interfering, where it was just they get to say their shit without being interrupted. Without an angle? Yeah, I think that helps build to the fight even more, so... I am very excited for this to, to headline full gear in a couple of weeks here. I think it's going to be a blast. What's what's your official uh, main event prediction as of now? I still think MJF's going over. My gut feeling is that MJF has the chance to cheat. Doesn't do it. A la hangman. Mox gets the brass rings from Regal and knocks out MJF. Crowds booing because they are in the Northeast. They mm-hmm. will be pulling for MJF. I mean, there's a lot of people pulling for MJF everywhere right now. MJF's a star right now, and I, uh, they're going to capitalize on it one way or the other. I'm just so excited to get there. Uh, next up, it feels weird not to have either one of them in the main event spot. Yeah, right? Yeah, that I think that that might lead to people kind of feeling like the show is whatever. But is that just WWE brain? Because we've, you know, a lot of people do what? I don't know what brain that is. Well, to be, I'm trying to think of this from all sides because for a lot of people, the only version of booking they know is from this like senile old pervert who hated wrestling. And that's all they've known for 20 years. Um, Might be that. I don't know. Regardless, next up, we had Jamie Hayter versus Sky Blue. Tony Storm comes out to even things out. Dude, the only note I have on this match is that Jamie Hader's ripcord lariat looks 
fucking vicious. Everything Hater does looks vicious. That like kind of half. That's like, our girl, dude. Slam into a backbreaker looks unreal. Everything she does is so crisp and clean and tight. And I mean, her and Tony have both wrestled everybody there is to wrestle in Japan. Like they're gonna tear the fucking roof off that place. This match probably should go second to last at full gear. Tony and Hater. It it can be a mm. event. It it will be the best women's match we've had. Yeah, we'll talk about match card placement, and I don't think you're wrong. The crazy thing is, they're probably going to give the largest, the biggest women's placement to Soraya and Britt. They, they probably will. Um, Just a fucking this mistake. Should be, this should be the co-main event, because it's going to be the... I mean, I kind of had the same gripe about where they put Punk and uh, Darby Allen on the card, but that's another gripe for another day. Yeah, we'll... Uh, down there. Yeah, make it make a note of that. We'll uh, we'll cover that on our. Yeah, it's an interesting idea in general, but yeah, yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about match placement whenever we I cover the pay per view. I mean, this wasn't Sky's best match. I've definitely seen her have better ones, but I think it definitely opened people's eyes to that Sky Blue is somebody to look for in the future. Not she's like, gotten better. Absolutely, she's got better. Not like uh, Red Velvet or a Swole where they've almost regressed and gotten worse in their time that they're trying to be there. Like, well, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, Swole doesn't even wrestle anymore. I don't even know what she's up to. But, um, Sky Blue is all elite, isn't she? She's never had the graphic. Um, I okay. It's on an actual full time deal because there's quite a few of them that don't get the graphic anymore. Right. Right. Like a month before they gave her the graphic, they've kind of established that it's a kayfabe thing now. It's not okay. super legit because, like, Marina's touring all the time with them. She doesn't have a graphic. I think the more realistic test is: do they have T-shirts on the site? Gotcha. That's- pretty good guide for what kind of deal they're under i think i'm probably just confused because every time we see a chicago show like the undercard like sky blue is on every single show absolutely yeah it's like every all-out weekend sky blue has three matches and it's like she's on a full-time deal with them now and last i knew she was dating dante so easy to travel together low-cost addition for the roster because save on travel expenses so quite the power couple but I, um, she's looking better and better. I quite liked it. Yeah, I, I I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was really good. Um, Ricky Starks returns, sort of, <laughs> and gets his head caved in by Lance Archer. Um, we get that match on Rampage, right? Uh, nope, not this week. Is that next week's Dynamite? This week, I don't know if it's supposed to be Dynamite or Rampage, but this week we're getting Bandito, Roosh, and uh, what's the other one? Why am I blanking on this? Holy crap, Mitch. Have I seriously forgotten the fourth part of the bracket? I really have, haven't I? Brian Cage uh, and Dante. Yeah, there it is. Cage and Martin, <laughs> Bandito. Straight Roosh. out of Warrior Wrestling. Literally, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are the two we get on Friday. Um, we're not getting... Archer Starks on Friday. Because it's going to be OC and uh, Lee Johnson and then Nyla Rose against, I'm assuming, a jobber. Yeah, the matches in the tournament are Brian Cage versus Dante Martin, Rush, Bandito. Uh, I call him Rush. (laughs) What a fucking dork. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't really care. Bandito's all elite. 
that's all I can really think of. Unfortunately, he's going to be losing to eventual tournament winner, Ethan page in the next round. So it's hard for me to get psyched for any of this. And I don't know what we do with Ricky Starks moving forward. He, sh- I don't know. I don't know, but he should be getting the shine that Sammy Guevara is. And I'm kind of upset about it. Um, speaking of whom best two out of three falls in the main event, Danielson defeated Daniel Garcia. Or sorry, Sammy Guevara. Sorry, I just want Danielson yeah, that versus Garcia all the time. Balls, yeah, I know. <laughs> Wishful fucking thinking on my part. Um, I thought the match itself was fine. I'm just not a Sammy Guevara fan. Specifically the spot where he gets hit with the finisher, jumps right back up, does a springboard move, and then like continues to no-sell it. And I'm just like, I don't want to be that old white dude who's like, Oh, these kids don't sell. Sammy Guevara doesn't fucking sell enough. And it was in that one spot where I'm just like, oh, dude, I can hear Cornette in my brain now. Yeah, don't time give... to go yell at the clouds. Because I know. I'm like, don't right don't give him more ammunition. A botch drop down at like WrestleMania 6 when I looked <laughs> on the archives. He doesn't sell enough. He didn't drop down well for the Irish whip. <laughs> I thought the match itself was really good, but I... I just like seeing him get his ass kicked by Brian Danielson. This was a weird thing where it was like the match itself was probably one of the best ones Guevara's ever had. Like all things considered, one of his stronger matches. Yes. Like people were definitely raving about the match on some segments. And I also was just like, man, this is a really strong match, but I'm so over Guevara. It's hard to get into. Like I was not finding myself buying into it just because I'm I'm not buying Guevara in this this spot they're trying to push him up to. I don't know what to do with him. I legitimately don't. Um, I don't know. They're in a really hard spot. I guess you just got to keep keep him in the mid card. Do something with him. Um, yeah, that's it. That's dynamite. Uh, kind of ends on kind of a mediocre note, but I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like Danielson gets the win. Um. I guess we'll see where things go. Um, I think they have more Jericho Appreciation Society, Blackpool Combat Drama on Rampage. We fucking started that feud with a blood and guts match. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that feels like it's been six months ago. Um, I mean, it might be at this point. I don't know. It really might be. So yeah, next up, um, Mitch. Take us to random WWE thoughts. Here are my random WWE thoughts of the week. First of all, Bianca Belair is jacked as fuck right now. Now, I did read she's actually doing like uh, some type of like a physique competition coming up soon. So it does explain it like she's been putting more into the diet and putting more in the gym. But man, her traps and her shoulders were popping out. It was insane. I was here for it. Like, Throw her and Jade in a hoss match against each other and let's go. Cause they both look like a million bucks right now. Whenever I got this, um, I had to know. I've been so itchy to ask this question. When did you notice this? Like, when was it that you were just like, oh my God? When did you go full Vince McMahon? Like, oh, she's I- massive. I think it was like a random like Instagram picture or something. I okay. saw she was like in a dress or something. So it was like cut off at the shoulder and you just saw this huge like trap and shoulder muscle popping out. And it was just like, Oh man, 
you got more Jack than I remember. Because I remember seeing some gifts. I think it was early on in her main roster run where she yeah. would like fucking pick someone up and throw them. And I'm oh, like, whoa. Always, I mean, when whoa. They, like they still do their combine style tests, right? Like they put the whole PC like, sure. crew through their combine tests. She dominated those things. Strength, speed, jumping, every aspect of it. She cleaned house. I think she won the thing like four years running. Like Dang. she is the best athlete in that company. It's ins- well, one of the best athletes in that company. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but just insane the numbers, like the results she was putting up compared to the rest of them. And she looks even more jacked now. That's thought number one. Thought number two The Miz versus Johnny Gargano. That was awful. There were. There were so many soft missed kicks and missed spots where things weren't connecting and weren't getting fucking close and the cameras were catching them and kicks were like eight inches away and it just looked terrible. Could you imagine if that happens in Britain, Soraya? People are not going to shut up about it. If there's one kick missed by six inches, people aren't going to shut up. Miz and Gargano missed like a dozen and nobody gives a fuck. It was terrible. Yeah, I think women's wrestling gets way too much shit. Um which I, th- I, th- I think is you probably have more to say about that than I do. Um, so was it largely Miz? Both. I would assume. Both. Dude, Gargano's regressed. Um, I would assume. I don't, I don't. Honestly, yeah. I thought Johnny was worse than Miz in the match, and I can't believe. I'm no way. Because I do not like the Miz. Like, it was not good. I mean, people talk themselves into liking but, the Miz. Like, I mean, I definitely overreacted because my whole point is people are overreacting with that with the women's stuff. But, like, this is it. If I put on that microscope that people are going to put on for Britain Soraya, uh, especially Jade and Nyla, even if the match actually sucks, the microscope it's going to get is going to magnify it by 100. Have, uh, have I told you my Miz story? I don't think so. So. Oh, boy. From time to time. WWE will come to our neck of the woods and do a little house show in our tiny arena that we have. And it was fun. It used to be fun because my wife and I were members at gold's gym and, um, more times she bumped into him more than I did, but, um, they would go work out and I would play this fun fucking game while I'm at work. And my wife's like, who's, who's the guy uh who looks like this guy but isn't and i had to just be like oh you're working out next to luke harper and uh redbeard or whatever his name was um the one time that i went by and the wrestlers were there there was a tour bus in the back of the parking lot and as i'm pulling in this bus driver goes out and just fucking releases the shit valve <laughs> all over the parking lot. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And I go in and I was like, uh, you know that bus that's out there? And the guy that was working there was like, yeah, dude, that's the Miz. Can you believe that the Miz is here? And I was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Everything he does is so shitty. It's so oh, shitty. What happened to the shit? <laughs> it, it was just in the parking lot. 
What's like, like, when did it get cleaned up? Who cleaned it up? I have so many questions that aren't related to the Miz. I don't know. I didn't stick around for that part. I don't, I don't think Mike went out there with a mop. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's my story. Um, <laughs> so yeah, anything else you want to touch on? <laughs> Final WWE thought. This is the funniest shit ever. Triple H shares my hatred of Austin Theory. That is not good. And he just oh has a God, weird fucking face. I can't get all it's there's something about it that's so it's huge. Yeah. His mouth is enormous. Yeah. Like you see those giant burgers and people are like, how is anybody gonna eat that thing? <laughs> Austin Theory is the guy that can eat that thing. Um, but they had him cash in his money in the bank for a U.S. title shot because Roman threatened you to cash in for the big one that he would end his career. So that was the storyline, was Roman scared him out of cashing it in for the main one, which honestly, a pretty funny way to handle that issue. I got a kick out of it. Cashes it in on the U.S. title. Fucking loses. Gets knocked out cold in the middle of the ring. Holy shit. And I loved it. Who's the United States champion? Uh, Seth Rollins, but it doesn't matter who it is. Well, I mean, he's a, a big name. I get, it. dude. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. I had no idea what it was. I just saw people yeah. were just like dogging on him and just being like, "This fucking dork." Yeah. That <laughs> is insane. Geek in the world. So, was it played as like a comedy angle, or was it just like the get the fuck out of here? Like, we know well, what it's like whenever Triple H doesn't like somebody, and you yeah. just like get the fuck out of here. It was like a combination of both. It was like make it a comedy thing, like when FTR was getting buried on the way out, and at the same time make you look like Warrior '96 geek over Hunter. Like it was. Fuck. Oh my! This God. is and this is the stuff where it's like, no, we enjoy their. This is the only wrestling promotion in the world that tells stories. And these are the fucking stories. I, I laugh so hard, but it gets them away. And I'm happy with that. Man, can I not stand that guy? It's just a fucking walking dial tone. Jeez. But All right. That was the funny ending. Speaking of Triple oh, so H. Ended the episode. Are you serious? That's that was the end of the episode was him laying out cold as a geek. Was it raw? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> Speaking of Triple H, it's time to play a game. <laughs> boom, boom. Game time, baby. We are going to be playing, uh, let's just call it fantasy booking roulette. <laughs> um, this was just a thing that we've been talking about for a bit. That AEW has very few credible options to win the AEW title right now. We're going to fix that. We're basically on Redainer. For Tony Khan. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Each of us will give the other a wrestler's name. Then that person will have to quickly fantasy book. That person to become a top challenger for the AEW championship. And uh, just for fun, even more fun. We'll end with a Joker pick for each of us. Um, do you want to go first or do you want to defer? Uh, or do you want to comment on the current state? I don't really have much to say that we haven't said already about the state of things. Okay. So I'm ready to play. Dun dun. So do you want a name or are you gonna give me one? Um I'll I'll defer. You you give me a name first. 
part of me thought it would be really fucking funny to give you like Anthony Ogogo, but I want this to be like fun for our listeners. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with an easy one for you. Malachi Black. Malachi Black, I think the return is simple. He has to come in on an absolute warpath with Brody King and Buddy. It's clear Brody and Buddy have to be the tag team in that scenario, and Mal- Malachi is the established singles guy. And I think the way you kick it off is you revisit the way it started with Cody, where he shows up and absolutely obliterates you and looks like a goddamn star for the night except you don't revert back to it into the Cody verse where he ends up losing the trilogy. In fact, you don't even have a trilogy. He just moves on from it. Like, I don't know if it's Jericho or, you know, you could do it with someone like Miro. It has to be either a former champion or like TNT champion, someone that's won some significance and he has to hit that heel kick, knock them out in about a minute flat and move on from it. It's not a feud. It's a message. And then he starts climbing up from there. So basically our timeline for this game is revolution, which is like what, like February, March. Yeah. February. Yeah. February, like the last week, kind of like right on that, sure. that swing week. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. So that's, that's how I'm doing with Malachi. Okay. Let's, uh, okay. Let's throw you one and we're going to assume the travel's not an issue here because that ruins the game. So let's go with pack. How are you bringing Pack up to the main event scene? Uh, oh, we didn't talk about uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny. <laughs> so they had they, a positive note to end the show on. Yeah, they had a they had a video. I, I don't it, know, I'm a little, so. it was ominous. Um, which, by the way, if you're a fan of Wayward Son by Kansas, uh. It, you're going to be in heaven very soon. I, Supernatural is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And I have already warned my wife if that happens, she is she's just not prepared to handle me if, so, if that actually happens. Do you think they're going to go by Wayward Sons instead of the Elite and the Elite's just a thing in the past? I think that's the story they're going to start with. I don't know where the story is going to evolve sure. to. I think that's the launching point for sure. All that said, let's just call them what they are. Bucks and Omega come back, beat Death Triangle. We've seen the seeds of them splitting. Um, Pac gets violent and takes out Phoenix. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe they have a match to just kind of just be like, let's just air this out. Yeah. You know, whatever the case. You're part of of the trio. That's it. Pac fucking goes at Phoenix with the ring bell hammer and like fucks him up. Bad. He rips his mask off, takes it as a trophy, kind of wears it around all laughy, and Pinto loses his mind. He comes out. He next match can be the Pinta Oscuro, whatever he wants to call himself, fucking deathmatch Pentagon, which is who he needs to be. Pack just decimates him. It's not even close. It's one-sided. Pack just looks like a star. Um let's see. Winter is coming. We do another pack hangman match. Hangman still unsure of himself. Pack beats his ass. Uh, Pack continues to go on a run, continues to run his mouth. Um, says one of the worst nights of my career was losing to John Moxley on a fucking boat. I'm coming for your title. And there you go. Uh, I don't know if I would have pack win, 
I guess it would depend on how people are buying into this, but you could do a pack Moxley main event. No problem. Um, next one for you. This is where I'm going to get fun. Take this not as a fuck you, Mitch, but as a, here's a fun, creative challenge. Mitch, I want you to book Jeff Hardy in the main event scene. Oh, okay. This, this is a challenge. So the, the tough part is that when Jeff comes back, you assume we're getting the Hardy boys reunion to finish off the story they told. I think the swerve you get is that Jeff comes back. Oh man, this could get dark. So Jeff's coming back. He's coming back with a chip on his shoulder because he slipped. We know what happened. It's already been addressed in canon on AEW. It's like they've already in canon blamed Matt a little bit for this. So the seeds are planted. Jeff comes back as more of a straight edge, got his life figured out. He's got a grudge against Matt for being the bad influence that secretly ruined his life. Beats the shit out of Matt. Buries the Hardy Boys. We're not getting the dream tag team run. We've got heel Jeff that is mad at the world for creating his problems. And he slowly goes up his tear from there. That's the heel version. If you want to do the face version, I think you have Matt play more the manager role and being the selfless motive rather than trying to get our Hardy boys run. I want the big one for you. I'm going to stand in your corner and we're going to do this. And there's, I don't think you need a specific match or angle in that sense to push Jeff to the top of the card. It's not about who he beats. It's just about creating the story that that's the title he wants to go for as opposed to the main, to the tag team titles. So whether you have him go super dark heel mode where he's blaming his brother or his brother's a super supportive one just here to help him get his moment and help keep him on the right track. Either way, I think it's far less about the matches than the feuds. Obviously, you have to have him big, some beat some big names along the way. You know, whether it's honestly, it could be a hangman. Hangman would make a lot of sense. Sober versus the guy still struggling on the alcohol side of things. Have him beat a couple big names like that. But the bigger story is just swerving him away from the tag picture. And those, I think, are the two clear ways to do that. I like that. All right. I'm going to I'm going to throw you a softball, not because I want it to be a softball, because I know it's one you're hyped about. And I'm curious the path you take to make it happen. So let's see. How you do with Swerve's house. Oh man, this is the guy I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so what this would likely mean is that we just go, we would have to, um, we would have to do Swerve versus Keith Lee at full gear. Um, I don't think it's time for that yet. I would do the split at full gear, uh, but maybe that's what people are expecting. So you just do it now. Um, so yeah, so we'll do that match at full gear. Um, as much as this company relies on it, he probably needs a stable. <laughs> um, I don't know who you put in that. Um, or who, you know, I mean, or shit. The firm? Oh. Yeah. Oh. The firm. They tried to set up, they set up MJF. MJF turned their back on him. Swerve, a very smart man, buys the services from Stokely Hathaway of the firm. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. So um, 
So you can continue to do John Moxley versus the firm. Uh, you could even do the unlikely bedfellows and have Mox and MJF team. And it's just not enough. Um, I would even have Swerve beat MJF on TV. Uh, it doesn't have to be clean. And then, you know, we continue to work that up. Um, the only thing is, it just doesn't feel like it's time. Mm-hmm. I think Swerve will be AEW champion. And if he's not, it's going to be one of the biggest mistakes Tony Khan's ever made. But knowing how slow Tony Khan likes to let the story simmer. I mean, we didn't get the breakup after uh grand slam. Mm-hmm. Like we're still telling the breakup story. It feels glacial at this point mm-hmm. to the point where I wouldn't be shocked if we don't do that match until double or nothing, maybe yeah. revolution revolution probably feels like the right time to do swerve versus Keith Lee. So that kind of pushes back the emphasis of this game. What another quarter. So we're looking at maybe the summer. That's fine. But yeah, uh, I think, I think swerve would be a very easy one. Um, But like I said, this is a promotion that's built on factions like it or love it. And I think, I think swerve in the firm fits a lot better than MJF in the firm. Um. I mean, he already tagged with the ass boys this week. Just saying. Uh, so yeah, that's uh that's swerve. All right. I'm gonna give you a pretty fun one. So before we recorded, we were kind of like, this has to be someone who could challenge at least for the TNT title. I will save the the goofy one to be our Joker picks at the end. I think you could make a pitch for him to be the next TNT champion. Therefore I give you Parker Boudreaux. Oh, this is a fun one. All right. So this is going to be fun. So right now we're in this weird space where Parker is part of Davari's little geek squad of trust busters. The catch with the trust busters is the whole idea is that there is a bunch of people that are essentially underrated and Davari's kind of finding diamonds in the rough and using his financial pull to create a bigger stable for himself while he tries to buy his championships. So we've already kind of established in canon that Parker's supposed to be kind of an underrated guy that hasn't gotten a fair shot or a fair shake at things. I think step one is when he snaps and takes that frustration out on Davari because he realizes he's trapped in the same rut under the trust busters where he's still underrated and still not getting opportunities because it's all about Davari and he's just essentially a hired gun for that matter. How you bring him up from there into even the TNT title pitcher to start. I think you have him snap at the end of one of Davari's shitty matches where he's trying to buy his way into something and gets squashed, he's going to look for Parker to save him and bail him out and start beating up the other guy. And Parker just goes kind of ballistic and absolutely annihilates every single person in the ring. So he takes out Sonny, he takes out Davari, takes out Slim J, takes out whoever the geek, whoever the not-geek opponent is, who hopefully is a champion of some sort. 
I actually think the way to start this may be to have him beat the shit out of OC, the All-Atlantic champion, have him do that as the kind of the murder scene in the ring and go from there. But it becomes clear that that title isn't even enough, so he doesn't want to waste his time on the All-Atlantic, and he wants to go straight up the card. And I think Parker's angle is this unhinged psychopath kind of angle, not like a... trying to think who I'm, who I'm thinking of that's the example but not like a kind of actual cycle like a luther or nikki cross kind of weird cycle more like uh i mean like early brock lesnar honestly yeah kind of like an early brock lesnar that that i mean that's obviously the comparison that they went right that, i mean parker boudreau is mini brock like that's yeah. how we got picked for wrestling but i think that's that's kind of the character you run with after he kind of annihilates oc in the ring starts to earn himself a couple of big matches. I don't think they necessarily need to be big squashes, but they should be relatively convincing wins. And yeah, you can build them up either to the TNT title for there. He could win the damn thing. He could definitely win the thing off. Well, I don't know who's going to hold it after full gear, if it's going to be Wardlow or Joe, but or fucking Hobbs, who the hell knows. But I swear this is a random idea off the top of my head. You know how Brock had Paul Heyman, obviously. Mm-hmm. He still might. I'm not quite sure what that dynamic is now. Um, Parker Boudreaux has his own heel manager, Jim Ross. Oh, shit. That could work. So Jim Ross is like... That could really work. I handpicked yeah. almost every wwe champion yeah and i got no credit for it i tried to do things tony khan's way yeah. it didn't happen i'm just saying jr on commentaries dog shit you give him a live mic and he's all pissed off and he's talking about how dope parker boudreau is and he can just talk shit on his opponents i mean that's that's the role jim Cornette would have had if he wasn't a piece of crap i I don't know if Jim Ross would be down for it, but I think it would be fucking it's rad. Fantastic story. Oh my God. I'm a genius. We can't release this podcast. We just have to send it to Tony Khan. But so that's, that's the Parker. That's the Parker ascension. I think. It's, Sorry. I, I didn't mean to step on that. I just had that random thought where I was like, I like that pairing. Oh shit. I think that's, I think that's a simple ascension. And I think it, I think it works. All right. So this is one where I think, we don't know where it's going to go for real, but I think this is a picture this person should be in in the long run, and I think you can make an argument that they can get there in the short run. How are you getting Bandito up the card into the main event scene, especially knowing that he's going to lose to Ethan Page? He doesn't. He beats Ethan Page. That's a cheap way out. <laughs> no, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. He beats him. He beats him. He beats him. He wins the whole tournament. It's him versus Ricky Starks in the final fucking a mini match of the year contender. We're like, you know what stole the show at full gear? Fucking bandito rookie Starks. Then you can set up that whole thing where it's like they're, you know, they, they can have many feuds, you know, your best two of three, you can do whatever. MJF is the champion. Cheats to beat bandito at winter is coming. Bendito says, no, no, no. 
and he works his way gets back in the title scene you're right that is kind of a cheap answer yes <laughs> but i mean honestly like if you do it in the short term it would have to be just through match quality i mean people didn't know who he was when he went out there and wrestled jericho and people were like oh my god imagine what he could do you know against a ricky starks against you know people who are better in ring right now as far as like pure you know star count than chris jericho i i think this the how he gets there would be simple the the real meat and potatoes to his ascension would just be in the ring it's like oh my god this guy is amazing i mean matches against fenix it's right there a match against pack it's right there you, I I know Tony Khan waits a very long time before he gives people the matches that they're dreaming to see and it's a very slow burn and there's a lot of stuff that's left on the table. I would start peeling shit off. I Start small. Just do like John Silver and they're just doing like little dude beefy spots. You know, there's, there's some really fun stuff you could do. Um, it would really just be a showcase of what he's capable of. Um, I know that's not the sexiest, most creative pitch, but it's like, you know, if he, as someone who's, you know, English is their second language, you don't want to play on that in as much as just being like, uh, he's a foreigner. He just needs to be a, a badass, basically PWG bandito. He needs to go out there and just be like, whoa, this dude is undeniable. Um, have him in a tag match. I mean, you know, the bucks love him. They wanted him in the company as soon as it started. Um, him versus Omega. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. I would have him beat Kenny Omega in the number one contenders match. And just really people be like, Oh my God, this dude is undeniable. Um, so yeah, sorry. I know that that it's not the, I kind of took the easy way, but it sometimes the most obvious way isn't, you know, the, the worst way to go. Um, I'm going to give you a fun one. Even more fun than Parker Boudreaux. Mitch, tell me how Hook is going to be a main event contender by Revolution. By Revolution. Oh my god. If it's too much, I can give you another one. No, I've got a couple ideas burning. I think we're getting there. All right. So the first thing we got to do is we got to find a way to get rid of this FTW thing as being his only gimmick and that he wants to win actual matches. And I think that is part of the angle. The first part of the build through winter is coming is that he does a couple token defenses of the FTW title at winter is coming. He puts on a big match for the FTW title. I don't know exactly who it's against, but it's someone where it's a big deal, like someone real that it's going to matter. Not necessarily what? like a Moxley or a Hangman, but someone decently high up the card. 
I'm thinking like like a pack level guy, like somebody okay. where it's going to be a hell of a match, and it's it's going to be close to a 50-50 match. It's not going to be an easy win for Hook. This is not a squash. Hook scrapes by, gets the win. It looks like it's a believable win. It's a clean win. He has to win it clean, but it's a tough match. It's a grind. It's just against someone like Pack who has main events at a pay per view. In fact, Pack may actually be the perfect person for this. Now that I'm saying it out loud, but it somebody sounds like great. Pac, after he wins that match, Hook is not known for talking. He gets mad. They go to interview him in the ring, and his only real response is, I'm done with this. I want the real thing. And he leaves the FTW title behind because he wants something that matters. This is a rogue title. It doesn't mean shit. You know, it's not meant to trash on his dad's legacy. It's, I want more than this. I'm done with the FTW title. That's the launching point from Winter is Coming. He is going to fight for a couple more big profile matches on like dynamites and rampage. He's going to stack up some wins. Again, they're going to be tough wins. They're not going to be easy squash wins. These are going to show a little more depth on hooks ability to wrestle rather than the three and four minute kind of attraction matches we've been having. We're going to show his technical side a little bit more again, beating a couple more guys. Maybe he beats like a Darby Allen. I, I don't want to say Darby because of the Taz history and I don't want the Taz history to play into this story, but like, yeah, Fuck Sammy Guevara. They want to make him a big deal. Have Hook beat Sammy. Like, people like that where they've done things and it matters, right? Or Hook beat Jericho. Hook beat Jericho. Sure, whatever. Just something that keeps it away from the Taz story and makes it clear he's just taking the next step in his career. Over that time, he starts to build up enough that, you know, if Moxley's the champion, Moxley's seeking Hook out for a match because he sees what he's doing and he wants that match to prove himself. If you want your shot? Come and get it. If it's MJF, I don't know how the fuck we built for that. But. I, I kind of like a hook MJF dynamic more. <clears throat> but either way, I think that's, I think you start with the winner is coming, getting rid of the FTW title there after a huge, like, gutsy win and keep building up these, like, even matches where Hook's just finding a way to win each time. And I think that's the angle. I yeah. like it. I will say this, though, real quick. I wouldn't be against Taz being his manager again. No, definitely. That, that's if, too. I, if, if that gives us the opportunity to maybe save him from having to promo for himself right now, hmm. dude, Taz's heel promos are really freaking good. Really good. And he's like, he's still leaning into the heel shtick on commentary. I mean, he could do the Shiavone thing where he just gets up and uh, he cuts a promo every now and then. Um, I don't know. I, I might even be down to bring in a powerhouse Hobbs, maybe someone like that who didn't quit team Taz. Yeah. We can call it team hook. You can do whatever. I think there's a lot of really fun stuff. There's a lot of meat on that bone. And I think you could heat them up pretty quickly. Okay. Last one for you before the Joker picks. We talked about it. What are you doing with this guy next? How do you get Ricky Starks into the main title picture? Oh, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky is my dude. Uh, he gets a fluke win over Lance Archer. Um, no, you know what? Fuck that. Sidekick, like he just tears him down. Like valiant baby face. Archer's throwing them all over the place, hitting them with power moves. Uh, Ricky Starks takes out the legs. 
side kicks him in the head. He's dazed. Starks hits the biggest spear he's ever hit in his life. And Archer sells for him. And everyone's like, oh my God. He just, wow. Ricky Starks just demolished a beast. And then we move on. I don't know who else he would be matched up in that side of the bracket. I don't have it in front of me. Um, But then I'd have him lose to Ethan Page. The firm cheats to win. You can do whatever. Um, And then... Winter is coming. I do Starks versus Darby again. Everyone loves it. Those guys match up really well together. Um, It's a number one contenders match. Uh, Both guys could be credible by then. Uh, Starks wins. And literally for like the next two months, it's like every, every other week, you can just cycle back and forth. You either get a Ricky Starks promo or a Ricky Starks match, but he's always featured always. And whenever he's, whenever Ricky Starks isn't on screen all the other characters are asking each other, where is Ricky Starks? What's Ricky Starks? Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, I I think he has, he's star potential written all over him. Um, Unfortunately, it's kind of like hook where it's just like the, the fun thing would be to see this play out over a long span of time. But, you know, for this exercise, you know, we're doing at latest revolution. Um, Dude, I think the promo battles between a champion MJF and a challenger Ricky Starks would be fucking top notch. And you, I, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. But I think if Revolution was headlined by MJF defending against Ricky Starks, I think it would be a solid pay per view. And I think it would be one of the best pay per view main events, like main event matches in a long time. But yeah, I, I would build him up. Every single week from now until late February, early March, it's either a Ricky Starks match or a Ricky Starks promo. Um, that's the thing, though. It, it feels so weird to try to project these guys out without them being in a faction. Because, like, that's just the AEW booking. So part of me is just like, what kind of faction could he join? Um I wouldn't be totally opposed to uh, him and Hook having a little, you know, tag team run, something like that. Just, you know, so both guys get shine. I don't know. I'm because he he would need someone in his corner. That's kind of the more fun thought exercise to me is like putting someone in a faction. Maybe that's our next game is create, create a random faction. We can have some real fun with that. Actually, yeah, fuck it. Let's do that. That was literally my childhood with wrestling figures. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really reach into the bin and just pull out random dudes and just be like, you know, that would actually be a pretty fun team. (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's do that next week. Fuck it. Let's make that our game. We'll come up with themes. We'll do it live. We'll, uh, yeah, dude, we'll we'll figure out what that looks like. But that would be a really sick game. Um, all right. You ready? You ready for jokers? Hit me.
I kind of want to know how silly you're going to get with yours. I already, I have my pick in mind. It's, it's not like I'm not giving you pretty Peter Avalon. It's not that silly. It's going to be, I want, I want two in a row. I want you to do the last one. Okay. All right. You ready for yours? I'm ready. Are you getting Johnny Hungy up to the top of the card? Fuck you. By revolution? Oh, man. Oh, you're really going to like mine. Um, Okay. So by revolution, John Silver. Fucking challenging. Wait, is John Silver in the tournament? No. Okay. Uh, I just got an email notification that you joined my personal meeting room. That's nice. Thanks for coming. I'm such a good friend. <laughs> um. Yeah, I couldn't let you play this game by yourself. All right, I'm trying to like think of this. It's got to start. It's got to start with a. F- it's got to start with a fluke win. The fluke win would be against Hangman. They kind of have a little bit of a tiff backstage, something like that. Or no, even better, even better. Something along the lines of like Hangman's down. John Silver's like, you know, what would make you happy, right? Just slapping meat out in the ring. Let's go. They have a match and Silver wins. And it's like, oh shit. And Hangman's like, what the fuck, dude? And Silver's like, I don't know. This is this shit's crazy. And then he's like, and then he's like feeling himself. He's like, okay, who the fuck's next? And so he's like walking around backstage like Goldberg. And you hear like this like weird knockoff music, and it's like burp, burp. Great entrance in my head. Yeah, right, right, right. And so he's just like walking around backstage, and he's like, he goes up to Chris Jericho, and he's like, "Hey, you and me tonight." And he just punches him in the dick, and Jericho's like, "What the fuck? I'm gonna kick your ass!" And they go out there, and Johnny Hungy taps out Chris Jericho. It's like with a lion tamer. It's like. This is insane. Like, what is going on? It's not the main event or anything like that. It's just kind of, you know, like the semi-main or like in the nine o'clock spot. And everyone's like, what the fuck are we doing? Um, Next match. Fuck. He challenges Moxley. He's like feeling himself. He starts doing the, the slingy walk. He's flinging his arms around all exaggerated. And he's he's like, yo, cargo pants, you and me tonight. And he wins. It's insane. And then I don't fucking know. It has to be a TV match. You can't main event a pay-per-view with Johnny Hungy. Um maybe maybe that's what it is. You do the you know, just a random uh, themed dynamite where it's Johnny Hungy versus John Moxley. <laughs> And for like a bit, it's like, yeah. oh my god, can John can John Moxley really drop the title? 
this is insane. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun. I think it would piss off all the right people. Would it be like? <laughs> I don't know. I I'm talking myself into it. Um, and I I think you have him. You know, bring some credibility back to the Dark Order. That's uh, that's that's my pitch. Speaking of bringing credibility back to the Dark Order, uh, tell me how by late February you book official roster member negative one to be a credible challenger for the AEW title. All right. So the way this starts, you start off, and I'm going to go a little bit. This is. We're going to start off almost the same type of line that they did with Pete Dunne when they made a butch in WWE. So you're going to start off where... Well, I fucking hate this already. No, no, go with me. You start off negative ones like this tiny little scrapper who's getting held back by his giant buddies that all oversize him, right? Every time 10's getting in trouble, negative one's trying to run in for the save and 10 has to hold him back. Kind of like how Luchasaurus used to have to hold Marco Stunt back all the time. Okay. Negative one gets uh, gets himself in over his head. He's in hot water. Suddenly, he's got a match because he's pissed off the wrong motherfucker here. Like, he's in for it. And we've got... It starts off with a tag match. It's going to be negative one and Preston Vance against... Okay. Let's go with... Who's he going to piss off? You know what? He's going to piss off 2.0 to start. He's gotten it into a... Jer- Why don't you just start with the tag champs? Let's go. He's, he wants a taste. That's the start. <laughs> You know, Preston obviously does a ton of the work, but negative one gets himself tagged in, gets the pin over them. He's happy. Crowd goes nuts. It's a good feel-good story to go home. Jericho's pissed off about it. He goes, okay, you know what? You made it past 2.0. You ain't fucking making it past me because sports entertainers beat pro wrestlers every time, and your dad was nothing more than a shitty pro wrestler. So now negative one is losing it. He's ready. He wants to single okay. by himself to Jericho. He's running around the ring. He's trying to hide. Dark Order Stooges do their thing to help distract the refs so that Preston can knock the shit out of Jericho, <laughs> roll him back into the ring. Negative one scores the pin. Bam, he's got a win over a previous champion. He's flying high now. We're running up. <laughs> one the and oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, negative one and oh. We're going. We're rolling up the card. Next up. Jeff Jarrett comes out, tries to crack <laughs> the guitar, <laughs> but Jeff can't get down low enough to hit him anymore, so he whiffs on the shot, negative one, kicks him in the wiener, picks up another win there. All right. So oh, no, he picks up the guitar and then <laughs> brains Jarrett. Even better. Brains him with this. And similar to his promo against Luther about a thought on his head. You're just an idiot with a oh. cowboy hat on your head. Well, now we've gone and done it. We've pissed off half the roster at this point. Negative one's going into business for himself. He thinks he's a big fucking deal. Now he's pissed off Mr. King shit MJF. MJF's looking for an easy way out. He doesn't want to work the pay-per-view. He wants to show up, collect his money, and go home. He says, all right, kid, you think you're a big shot? Get your ass to revolution. I'm challenging you for the title because I don't want to work and you're just a little shit. And that's how we get there to negative one being in the main event of revolution. I like that a lot. I like that very, <laughs> very, very much. Um, the one thing that I've noticed is that the majority of our pitches 
involved Chris Jericho. He is so integral to what AEW yes. does. And it's like, like he's a credible challenger. He's a credible, you know, opponent for most people. He works well with just about everybody. Dude, the idea of like negative one cutting CM Punk style promos. <laughs> like if he came out with the same intensity as the all out presser where he's like, I'm, I'm I've got school and I've got to work with fucking children. <laughs> And he's like eating a muffin and he's just all pissed off. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm so much better than this stupid company. Uh, I'm trying to run a business here. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, dude, I, uh, I'm into it. How did our jokers end up being the most fun? <laughs> and they're both from the same faction. I know. We might as well do uh, Alex Reynolds while we're at it. <laughs> the Rise of Evil Uno. Let's go. Um. So yeah, here we were. After last week, we're like, we'll never do three segments again. I mean, we barely went into number <laughs> three. We're only like five minutes deep. We're good. Now let's do it. Another half hour. Let's keep fantasy <laughs> booking. Um. So yeah, that's the show. Um. Let's see. We've got. Uh, one more week. So next week we'll likely do uh, we'll do full gear preview, and then wait—is next week the go home show? Holy crap! It is. Yikes! All what right, so this tournament. Yep. Oh, tournament's going to end on rampage. Does it even have to, or does Lance like just beat the crap out of Ricky, get himself disqualified, and we just auto shove? Brian no, Brian. no, because no, because no, yeah, Rampage, Rampage is a separate show. Got, They'll need to sell tickets. The Wednesday will be winner of Bandito Rouge against Ethan Page, and the other semifinal. Or, yep. No, that will be one. Yep. The finals at the pay per view, right? So then, yes. That'll happen Wednesday. Starks and Archer will happen after happen Wednesday and then starts and cage will happen Friday. Likely. Actually there's some so, nice there. We get the team Taz reunion a bit. Yeah. That's so nice. we'll so we'll do a full gear preview. We'll play another game apparently. We'll keep keep this going. And uh until then, I'm Jake. I'm Mitch. For the Bing Hall Boys podcast. Thank you so much for listening.